As a thankful recipient of many, many skincare products over the years, I've learned to discern what is naturally actually activating my skin to rebalance and recalibrate on its own. That's what your skin is meant to be doing, and it keeps getting disrupted by all these choices that we make. So, when the founder and creator of Herbal Face Food reached out to me, I was all ears. I didn't know why at first. It turns out that Herbal Face Food is the most potent antioxidant skincare line on the market today, period. The raw plant ingredients in each of their products are never processed, never manipulated with synthetics or emulsifiers. These anti-aging botanicals are combined with the most precious plant concentrates, and they have changed my skin. Here's how. I'm going to talk about two of the products, the Herbal Face Food Serums and the Cream. The serums contain powerful phytoenzymes and antioxidants. These are activated and infused into your tissues. They hydrate and increase the resiliency of your skin, and they feel like they're plumping up your face. I use Serum 1 daily. I use Serum 2 when I'm tired and I need extra firming for my skin. And I use the X, which is also known as the Cure, for a small patch of rosacea that flares up every now and again, which you cannot see because of these products. When you feed your skin with herbal face food, you will feel real live ingredients at work. An activating flush, an invigorating tingle, some warmth, all of these are evidence of your skin healing at the cellular level and years of damage reversing. The cream is the most potent moisturizer I've ever tried, and I've tried them all. I live in the high desert. This cream contains 102 of the world's most powerful anti-aging botanicals and is also the world's first and only edible SPF <laughs> with a protection rating of SPF 50+. Plus. And this is accomplished 100% by plant power. And you can expect intense hydration, soothing for your tired skin. You can expect to see inflammation calmed and rebuilding of elasticity so your complexion looks and feels more smooth, and more radiant. Herbal face food is not plant-based. It's plant-powered. It has the highest rating on the ORAC anti-aging scale. ORAC means oxygen radical absorbance capacity. I never knew what that meant before. Highest, over 30 million on that scale. By contrast, vitamin C in skincare rates under 100,000. Herbal face food is using all post-consumer recycled materials and packaging. They use glass and aluminum, which is super easy to recycle as well. The products and packaging are 99% free of plastics. They contain no ingredients that involve the destruction or harm of any plant, animal, or marine life. These are 100% plants only, these products. These active concentrates are coming from the seeds, the fruits, the leaves, or the flowers of the plants only. These products have been a complete revolution for me. I know that you will love the way your skin looks and feels after using it even for just a day or two. And the best part is that Herbal Face Food has offered us, you, my community, a code to receive 20% off forever, ever. The code is capital E-L-E-N-A 20. Once again, that's my name in all caps, ELENA2020. The site is herbalfacefood.com. The code is all caps ELENA20. It's not just your first purchase, it's any purchase. You will love these products, and I am so grateful 
herbal face food for the change that you have made in my life. Thank you. Welcome to the Practice You podcast. My name is Elena Brower. Together, we'll explore and enjoy content and conversations around mastering transitions. In our relations, our wellness, our careers, our families, and especially in our missions and visions. You are invited to learn and love and listen with me. Welcome to Practice You. Welcome back to the podcast. I have with me one of my dearest, oldest friends from New York in the wellness space, whom I respect deeply, whom I thought had been on the podcast before, but in fact, it was just that I had been on his so many times. His name is Shannon Algio. Shannon, I love you and welcome to the podcast. Elena, I love you. Thank you for having me. Oh my God. Of course. Let me introduce my listener to you. You have been named one of the 35 under 35 in wellness to watch by Wanderlust. You are a celebrated speaker, writer, coach, yoga nidra, and meditation teacher. Your podcast is called Soul Feed, and I've been on it a couple of times, and it features interviews with iconic, truly iconic cultural and spiritual leaders like Dr. Chopra and Carolyn and Marianne Williamson, many, many more. In your coaching practice, you work with clients to heal old patterns of trauma so they can show up in the world with power and presence and purpose. You do great work. I've seen it happen. You are really well-respected around the world, and you have a new book out. And the book dear listener, is awesome. It's called Trust Your Truth. I, as usual, have pulled out a few pages with which I would like to sort of start us off today. And then I'll go into the questions that I think we need to sort of address. But I want to go first to page 108, which, by the way, I didn't mean to do, but 108. Mm -hmm. Let's do it. (laughs) The very bottom of 108, rage responsibly. Okay, this sort of stood out to me because I know you and I both have a very real tie to our activist side. Mm. And there is a lot to be angry about. Now, we are recording this after Joe Biden's inauguration Mm -hmm. and Kamala Harris. So we're on the other side of that whole story. However, we find ourselves in the middle of a country where... Half the country voted for Donald Trump. Half the country believes this pandemic is a farce. Half the country believes there are no masks to be worn and they shouldn't be worn because it's not real. And the other half of the country, of which we are a part, believes and knows that these hospital beds are few and far between. We have doctors in our lives who are a shell of their former selves because of how hard they have to work. Mm to help people stay comfortable even though they are going to die. Half the country believes that we really need some sort of unifying principle. And raging has happened here. Mm. The 
line that you start with, lashing out in rage can be very harmful and even dangerous, but suppressing rage can be equally harmful because it gets stored away, builds up, and guarantees future harm. Now, we have seen that future harm on the steps of the Capitol and those five people that died. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. To handle rage healthily, it must be wielded consciously, like fire. Fire can safely light a candle. It can also grow to burn down hundreds of thousands of acres of land. We've seen it all happen this year. When you see rage within yourself for what it is, which is a deep, and this is a beautiful line, a deep and desperate outcry for help, attention, love, and care, you can begin to parent yourself and wield this fire in ways that are non-harmful to yourself and those around you. So my listener, have you had this happen recently where you've been so angry and you didn't know where to put it and you didn't know what to do? Maybe you acted out against yourself. Maybe you acted out against somebody you love who loves you back. But did you possibly see it as an outcry for help, love, and attention and care? Did you possibly parent yourself? This, Shannon, honestly, is among the top three teachings of this book. Mm. Mm. And I want to thank you for it. Uh, some healthy ways to release rage. Listener, you ready? <laughs> Get your pen. Beat your mattress with a pillow. Do it. Beat Do it. your mattress <laughs> with a pillow, okay? So pillow fight with your mattress. Scream at the top of your lungs. Sometimes I do that into a pillow. Mm. Sometimes I do that whilst hugging a tree. Mm. Do both at the same time. Anything you can do to sweat. I have found that since I sweat every day, like strong sweat every single day, I don't get mad. Mm. Like even when Jonah is a jerk to me mm -hmm. or James is a jerk to me, which is rare, but it happens. I don't get mad anymore because I've sweat that day and I don't feel that sort of, for lack of a better word, fire mm. rising up. You can also furiously journal your stream of consciousness. That's something that I do in the mornings. And once the energy of rage is released, you say, and then I'm going to have you say a few words, you can process what it's all about and ask yourself the following questions. This is valuable, my listener. Seriously, keep your pen and your journal open. Where in my life might I be betraying myself or giving my power away right now? Is this rage historical? Is it situational? Or both. Very often mine is both. What needs to be released? I would add in my own words, is it a belief? Is it a pattern? Is it an opinion? Mm, mm. And how can I release this rage without harming myself or others? Where did this come from, Shannon? It's such good wisdom. It's like you're 85 fucking years old. <laughs> This is no, but this is really good. I read a lot of books. Nobody's like said these things. It's so, it's it's both extremely casual, and extremely potent. Yeah, I um, I, you know, you brought up like collective rage that's happening right now, and it's you know we know that what happens collectively is also happening internally in us personally, and. This lesson is like straight from the core of my experience, mm. like harming myself and others through 
through this rage that used to feel like out of control. And it really, it, it, you know, it, it really showed up in the midst of my breakup, but then it, the lesson came to me so crystal clear and golden when I, I was fostering and adopted for a period of time, a puppy named Ginger. Hmm, right, Ginger. And I couldn't handle it. I couldn't handle the peeing on the floor, the vomiting on my couch. She was super athletic, so I was spending hours a day getting her the exercise she needed and the organic food and the grooming and the shots. And I, and you mentioned the parenting, is I was becoming jealous of how good I was taking care of her. Of her. And I wanted to be taken care of like that. Oh. Yeah. And that jealousy, part of it was just overwhelmed because I was like newly single in a new city and it was just a lot. But part of it was this, this desire to take care of myself. And there were a couple of times where I got so mad at her, it was like teetering into abusive. Yeah, I get that. And I hated myself in those moments and yet I couldn't seem to stop this thing from coming up and so I was like this is fire in me how can I wield this fire I can't get rid of it and nor would I want to necessarily like this is my this is my passion this is this is my me but so if I can't suppress it and I'm also deeply committed to not harming the people I love the most then I'm going to have to learn to wield this fire. And I had a, a, um, a psychedelic journey, actually, where I was sitting in front of this fireplace filled with rose quartz, and there were some candles in the, in the fireplace. And I lit some sage, and I was, I was kind of waving it around myself. And I, I felt my grandfather, my dad's dad, who never graduated sixth grade, immigrated from Ireland, and was was abusive towards his children. He, he you know, everyone got the belt. And I remember my dad um, and his impatience and frustration that never was physical, but it was emotionally uh, toxic at times. And I was like, I am carrying in me this toxic rage that men have been incapable of learning to wield, learning to communicate, learning to deal with for generations. And that helped me have compassion towards myself, realizing this is bigger than me, but I'm the one. I'm the one who gets to and has to heal this. It stops with me. It starts with me. And it's so funny because as I was getting ready to submit the final manuscript for this book, I... Um, had a dream. I haven't shared this um, with many people. Mm. My grandfather. I'm excited. My grandfather visited me in a dream. And I've never had a dream before that, I, that I'm aware of that felt like a visitation. Right. And we were, this is kind of funny, we were Zooming, because this is, of course, during the pandemic. <laughs> and we're in different, you know, different planes of existence. And then suddenly I'm in a hospital room with him and he's in a delirious stupor in a hospital bed. And then suddenly he gets up and he's just pacing the room 
and he's he's struggling he's suffering he's he's trying to deal with this uh stupor that he's in and then he sits down in a chair and my my grandfather had this like i mean he had the face of ireland like rosy cheeks and bright irish eyes and right and suddenly there's clarity in his eyes and i'm looking into his eyes and i see him and he's he's all there and he he says to me i was so terrible i'm so sorry <gasps> no mhm <laughs> and it wasn't an i'm so terrible that was that held shame it was a deep acknowledgement i was so terrible he said mm-hmm. Oh my God, Shannon, I have big tears in my eyes. Mm. Big, big, big tears like a little kid. Mm. Wow. That's such a big deal. And knowing, listener, I happen to know a lot of Shannon's sort of childhood and the trajectory of things. And that's such a huge healing, bro. Dreamland is real. Mm-hmm. Wow. Yeah, and I, I knew that. I I was like, I'm having a moment of contacting what intergenerational healing looks like. And because That's I am right. alive, I am his cells. I am the continuation of his life alive right now. My healing, the work that I'm doing with myself and my relationship with Ginger and my dad, it's not just affecting me and future generations. It's rippling back. It. It's hard to describe, but it was a deep knowing that like, oh, okay, this this is what intergenerational healing is. Wow. I just yesterday, Grandmother Rita, who's the Alaskan of the 13 grandmothers, mm. when we heal ourselves, we also heal our ancestors and our own children. Healing ourselves also heals the earth, sky, mm. and universe. Mm. Ancestors occupy, this is the the crux of what I wanted to say, having heard you say what you said. Ancestors occupy the bone marrow. The bones are our parents, parenthetically, she writes, structure or pillars. The flesh and skin represent the person in the present moment. She says, past lives, question mark. I acknowledged reality of past lives. However, I expressed grief over the fact that many people go back energetically and dwell on the past, thereby diminishing their current vessel and attention energy. Mm, mm. I noted that everything we need to learn will be in front of us and that going forward is a quicker path to healing. Mm, mm. Can you even? Like exactly this. It's not just the future that we heal. It's actually the past. I'm so impressed that you had that dream. And and we like we're living lifetimes and yes. and with that comes, you know, again, rage responsibly. Like we we hold the responsibility and the opportunity to reckon with our ancestors' harm and to refine our nervous systems to create a new pattern. Mm. And that's why, you know, I, I used to, I think this is important to say for, for the listeners and for people who struggle with rage or any really, really intense emotion that takes over is I used to not let myself hit the pillow on the couch or the bed because I judged the rage so much and I didn't want to feel it. So I pushed it down so hard yeah. that then yeah. Yeah. when Ginger peed on the floor, I just lost it. So now yeah. I'm like, no, 
grab the pillow, beat the shit out of the, the couch, and that's totally okay. Like, that's healthy. Right. And it's okay that I'm having this emotion, but it's not okay to harm. That's not okay. This is very helpful to me because I'm sure I had this many times as a parent with Jonah. Like, I should have just expressed my rage before letting it come out on him mm. because I'd suppressed it for so long, judging myself for feeling it in the first place. Mm-hmm. Page 111, you go on to give us a bunch of prompts that actually help us sort of turn the ship around, as it were. And I would love for you to read those prompts to us, if you don't mind. Totally. Yeah. So just as a context, we're in we're in the fourth chakra because uh, the book is set up in the order of the chakras from root to crown. And this is all about healing the heart and feeling it to heal it and listening to the heart. And so these questions on page 111 are like, once we clear the channel and really have the courage to face our emotions and our shadow emotions, like, not that it has to be a linear process, but once we've created the clearing, then we can ask these questions and really tap into the the purity of the heart. So the questions are um, to connect to your heart and to connect to your heart's wisdom and your heart's desires Um, The questions are, who do you love? Who do you love and why? And you can, you know, journal these prompts and just kind of see what comes out. What do you love about yourself? What makes your heart soften and open? What does it feel like to let your heart lead? What does it feel like to let your heart lead? I know for me, so many times my mind wants to lead. Mm Mm-hmm. It's 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 such it's a much more creative space for me. Mm. And we can see that too, Elena. <laughs> like you know what happens mm. when you let your heart lead. Totally. Um, and then I think there's three more questions here. Uh, if you fully trusted your heart as a trusted leader in your life, where would it guide you? Dang. That one's potent. That one. That one was the one that was like, "I'm gonna have Shannon read these. They're so good. <laughs> <laughs> They're so good." Yeah, like if I really let this heart lead. You remember that side, uh, that song, uh, "Scrub." Like I don't want no scrub. There's that line no, on the passenger I don't side. Want no scrub. <laughs> scrub is the guy. Can't get no love for me. Hanging on the passenger so side of your best friend's ride. So. Yeah, that's it. That that line is actually in a different part of the book that um, to let your mind be on the passenger side of your best friend's ride and and the heart, Mm. the heart, like what happens when the heart gets to drive? Got it. Got it. That's great. That's helpful. Um, Yeah. Well, just the final two questions here in your heart of hearts. What does your soul crave? that your mind may not be aware of yet? And what do you most desire? What do you most desire? Mm. These are good prompts, solid prompts. When I went through the book and of course found Tracy's name in the throat chakra section, Mm. she is like the most killer quote that um, that you pointed out for us. I'm going to read it to you. I love this one. When you recognize truth, truth has a vibration. The more you practice, the more you attune yourself to the vibration of truth. 
and you go in to talk about sound vibrations, but I take this in such a big, huge scale. And I just want our listener to know the truth really does have a vibration. It's, I need to say this, it's not the vibration of excitement. It's not the vibration of a dopamine hit. The truth has a vibration like a mountain. Mm. And if you feel, if you're listening to us and you feel very strongly that the truth is out there and the change is coming and that there are lions and sheep and that you're the one who's awake and everyone else is asleep, I dare you to consider that every truth that you have quote unquote discovered has an element of a dopamine hit to it. And that's exactly what they want you to feel. Mm. This is really important the real what truth, you're saying. I know. The real truth is mountain-like steadiness. Mm. That came up for me when I was reading this section, this whole section. And I love how you talk about singing. You talk about Om. Read a listener. You're going to love the way that he creates the teaching around Om, waking, dreaming, deep sleep, and the void. Just solid, solid. I can tell you've been studying. I can tell you've been taking your time with this. I feel there was no rushing in this book. And that's why you're here. Yeah, I mean, this this has been the book writing process is almost three years since I started working on the proposal. And during that three years, I was studying with Tracy and yep. uh, Chanti yep. Takarante Perez, um, both who've studied mm -hmm. with with Rod Stryker and, and you, and I know you, like you all have studied together in the yoga nidra practice and with Rod and, mm -hmm. and Tracy's teaching as well as Chanti's um, and their training together really helped me to slow the movement of my body of like, you know, the, the New York city rushing and the, the, you know, fast paced yoga practice and this kind of like intensity of movement. Of course, I still, I still utilize those practices, but to layer in the yoga nidra practice of, of deep rest, that's where I got to experience the wisdom of that mountain that Tracy so embodies through her teachings and through her, her wisdom is that to read her quote again, when you recognize truth, truth has a vibration. The more you yes. practice, the more you attune yourself to the vibration of truth. And it's hard to talk about this because it's such an experience mm -hmm. and embodiment of like when you reach that mountain, when you get to that wherever you're, you know, wherever the peak is on your hike, there is an experience of steadiness um, and of peace that can't really be named in words, but is much deeper than that hit of dopamine that you're that you're talking about. It's not. Right. Um, it's not like it, there's nothing cheap or no. quick right. about it. Right. Um, it's remembering the deep wisdom that lives in ourselves. It's not like adding something to uh, us in order to get more wellness or get better or develop ourselves or fix ourselves. It's just softening and surrendering like we do in the practice of yoga nidra into our wholeness that that's already there. That's the truth. Yeah. It's funny. She walked up this mountain behind my house the other day with me. Mm. 
And I was thinking about that mountain as you were talking. And when you do get to the top of any mountain, I don't even think, you know, there needs to be a metaphorical mountain, but just think about an actual mountain hiking. You always get to a place where you can feel thousands, if not millions of years of slow, incremental building, movement, growth, shifting of tectonic plates, that thing is not moving anytime soon. And that I think is the, the crux of, of the vibration of truth. There's no movement there. It just is what it is. And that, that, like that wisdom that comes from that steadiness, that mountain connection that we're tapping into right now, like that is so much of what our world needs right now. I mean, when you think about mm -hmm. the, the fast paced nature of society within technology woven into it and the speed at which our brains are firing from our phones, mm. it, it could be so easy to miss the wisdom that lies beneath the surface of just having that experience that you just described. Like it's, yeah. and we need to be tapping in, I believe to that kind of truth. Yeah. There's, um, there's a lot of wisdom that follows this particular, the throat chakra chapter. We get into chapter six, Ajna, the third eye. You have a beautiful meditation regarding the, light, both literal and figurative in the center of your brain, that healing light energy that sort of illuminates all the little corners and crevices, the dark things, the light things, and everything starts to receive the warmth of this light. I, I want to just say, it's nice to see your progress. It's beautifully written. Mm. And I felt it upon reading it. I didn't even need it to be said. Mm. So that says a lot. And that chapter is actually really beautiful. Um, I appreciate it. What's, what's the disempowering shame loop that we're in? You know, that whole section mm -hmm. and learning how to kind of work our way out of that perception into another place, into seeing it differently. So I really appreciated that. It might be really nice too. <clears throat> Pardon it might be really nice too to for the for the listener right now to pair up being you with trust your truth because they're both in chakras and i can totally see how the work that you've done in your book would relate really beautifully to the journaling prompts in being you mm. chapter by chapter oh my gosh yeah. i can't wait to get my hands on it yeah, you have one coming. I wanted to make sure you had one. Oh my, I'm so excited. That's a really good point, and I hadn't thought about that. That's... Yep. Yep. That's a really good idea. I'll, I won't forget to talk to you about this again. Chapter 7, Crown Chakra, Surrender to Source. Really beautiful. I don't, you know, it's hard for me to sort of teach on this and... I don't usually have the words. I just have my own experience. And it sounds crazy when you try to put words to it. So I don't really try. But I appreciated how you brought this right down to earth. And on page 154, let me see if I can find it. That's what's in my notes. Yeah. Oh, yeah. The bottom paragraph on 154. 
So when you, this is crown chakra, people. <laughs> when you're hung up on the bills, the debt, the body, the noise, the doubt, the fear, the silliness, it can be helpful to remember that this brief life is yours. And then you wrote, which surprised me and not, fucking claim it. <laughs> How would you breathe in this moment, this second, if you knew your breath was the equivalent of 434 years? You are living lifetimes, a continuation of the same capital S source energy that's been expanding and extending since the beginning of time. Dude, that's the crown chakra, most absolutely for sure, except that I've never seen that sort of conversation in this context. And I so appreciated your vision. Mm. Really. Thank you. It's, it's, um, it's the that 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 is spiritual practice to me. That is my spiritual practice because I will always somehow forget that, and the practice brings me back to that remembrance. Whether that practice is a hike or a meditation or a yoga nidra mm -hmm. or like a walk in my neighborhood or just hugging a friend. If I can do that again soon, that'd be great. Um, that is the remembering. The remembering of how fucking I, I I sprinkle that word into the book because it just I, I actually it wasn't often though but it, just enough that it like made it potent when you did yeah like yeah always intentionally um, and yes. just a few times but there's something to me in my style that feels good about that in the spiritual space <laughs> because it's our humanness that is not separate from our spirituality. It's this woven, right. like I am right. animal and God interwoven. Mm -hmm. And that is the human experience. And so I think the more that we practice remembering, you know, our spiritual practices are designed as you're going through being you and doing the journaling prompts, as you're going through trust your truth, as you're going through whatever practice that's bringing you to yourself, we're returning. Yeah, which is the perfect segue to my last sort of question. Page 165 at the bottom. The sweet art of surrender. Scrap everything you've ever heard about surrender, dear listener. <laughs> put it all off to the side. Put it in a little bucket and set it on the floor. Surrender, quote, second to last line, page 165, and trust your truth. Surrender is an embodied practice of letting the nervous system rest into a state of deep peace. Okay? This is not some wishy-washy, woo-woo conversation about surrender, higher power, all this. No. This is about your nervous system. It has been over now almost a year of a complete upside down, well, really four years, of a complete upside down world. And we are trying desperately now to write it, R-I-G-H-T. And all of us are kind of, our eyes are too wide open right now. Mm. And we're just like, we're waiting for something weird to happen. We don't know what's coming next, but we do, but we don't. There's an impeachment, probably won't go through, sadly. Like all these things are happening. 
it feels like all of us need to be remembering this definition of surrender, this embodied practice of letting the nervous system rest into a state of deep peace. Thank you for that, sir. Yeah, I mean, that that was my and is my practice because the, the busyness, the noise, the hustling, the incessant need to be doing was a pattern built in me that was both survival, got to make money to survive, got to like do this thing, but also shame as a man that I can't rely on others for support. I have to do it myself. This, that the toxic side of, of rugged individualism and capitalism right. and Tracy comes right. along and has me create a sankalpa and has me lay my ass down for 40 yes. minutes a day. And in the 61 points of the body for 40 days, and then more than 40 days, because I kept going, I placed the mm -hmm. vibration of Shannon, it's safe to surrender. It's oh. safe to surrender. It's safe to surrender every, not as a, I mean, yes, a mantra, but as an embodied Sankalpa Nidra mantra of placing that vibration, not just the words, but the essence of that Sankalpa in my body. And I, it started to soak into my, my skin and my flesh and my nervous system in a, in a life altering transformative way of like, even no matter what's happening in the world, I can let myself surrender for a few minutes. That's okay. Yeah. yeah. And then that mountain like experience of tapping into the mountain truth that we were talking about can yes. inform me as I come out of my practice. And yeah, then I can get mad. I can get busy. I can, I can interact in this, in this world with all the crazy stuff that's happening, but there's just a little bit more or sometimes a lot more of that letting the nervous system rest into a state of deep peace that informs the way I show up. It's, it's, it's changed. It's changed me in a real embodied way that can only come with practice. I almost wish we'd done a previous interview before this because you would hear my listener, the difference in Shannon's very core, like the resonance of his voice, the cadence of his words, the rhythm and everything that he's saying is completely different than what it used to be. Well, you know, because you, you, uh, you're one of the first people we interviewed on soul feed and like, that's right. And not that there's a right or wrong, but there was a younger version of myself that was more eager and, and chasing a dream. And there's something beautiful about, about surrendering into my enoughness, into your enoughness now that like mm -hmm. no amount that I could accomplish today will make me more enough than I already am. <laughs> That's right. That's exactly right. So thank you for, for that. Thank you. Yeah. Yeah. I want to direct um, your reader also to our listener to the final chapter, which is where you took everything and kind of tied it up in a bow. And I don't want to be the spoiler for this one because this one's really worth your time. Like this, the, this final chapter is worth the price of admission for the book itself. Mm. 
beautiful. It's called Be the Whole You. We need you. I'll leave it there. I have three questions that I ask my guests. Most of the time, I actually stopped for a little while because there were other pressing current events and things. The first is, in your world personally or in the larger vast world, what needs healing right now? Mm. We need and I need to both be caring very deeply for our healing and the healing of all the intergenerational stuff that we're showing up with that we talked about earlier within ourselves and our family units. And we also need to be actively out in the world looking at the systems that are perpetuating that harm um, on some more than others. And I think the constant weaving of that integration is what's up for me and, and all of us right now. Yeah, that's well said. Did a nice episode with Carrie. I listened to it. Came out last week. You did. I did. That's nice. I did. I. She's such a. She's such a good egg. She's so good for all of us. She's helped me so much, like with my individuation process of like, who does Shannon need to be, to mm. tend to my dharma, and my activism. And like, now mm. they don't feel so separate, but for a while it was real clunky. So if anyone's struggling with like, how do I deal with white supremacy? How do I deal with like, just continue to reckon and struggle and feel the discomfort of, of that? Because I think we can all polish into a, a more integrated version of ourselves and how we're showing up for these issues that, that aren't disconnected from what we're already doing right now. Yeah. That episode I think was helpful. Um, especially for the white listener who feels like when somebody says whiteness or white supremacy, they feel sort of like, ooh, not me, or they feel, ooh, why are you being so harsh? You know, it's, it's just what is. It's not actually, it's like the mountain. White supremacy has the resonance, has that truth resonance like a mountain. It is. Yeah, and when, it's not some it's not something that we're choosing. It is mm, exactly, and you know, I still to this day, I, I'll see white supremacy or whiteness, and I'm like, oh, I don't feel like it right now. I don't want to be, I don't want to be yeah. white shamed right yeah. now. And then I'm like, Shannon, this isn't personal, and this is not about you. Mm -mm. This is a system right. you're swimming in. This is the mountain of truth. Totally. So, totally. so I think we turn away when we feel shame. But when we remember, it actually doesn't have anything to do with us at our core. It's just the system we're swimming in. Then we can show up and be adults in the room and say, well, how am I going to interact with this? Help. Yeah. 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 Fix, be part of the solution going forward. Exactly. The second question, what is your favorite view? And this can be existential. It can be literal. Mm, my favorite view. Yes. Mm, I love this. Um, it's so funny, right? My favorite view is the, you know, I'm, I'm in graduate school right now for um, depth psychology. 
And so I'm like steeping deep in Carl Jung and archetypes and symbols and the unconscious and dreams. And I love the idea that the unconscious and, and the psyche is both personal and collective and it's compensatory, which means that if there's some part of myself that I'm that I'm shoveling away consciously, then it's going to come up in a dream. It's going to come up in a relationship. It's going to come up because the psyche wants me and all of us to be whole. So this idea, this view of like working with the unconscious as this thing that wants to bring us into wholeness makes me feel so held. I, I just love it. Mm. That I get. That I totally get. And well, let me leave that there. I want to ask you the last question because it's a bigger one. Okay. <laughs> what does prayer mean to you? Mm. Prayer means to me that I have this conscious opportunity to direct my attention towards the highest good. And it's like this, it's this collection of word energy, of thought energy, of embodied energy, like just reclaiming all of my energy, all of the chakras, all of the thoughts, all of the power that I possibly have in this moment and direct it towards goodwill for self and all. And I, I think mm. this prayer, it's like a seed. It looks small and it can be easily forgotten, but like when planted and nourished, mm. it can turn into something very substantial and, and deeply meaningful. Oh, Shannon, I feel like a proud older sister or something. <laughs> I, I can't even tell you what joy it brings me in my heart to be with you today and to hear you sound the way you sound, to read your words, to celebrate you in this way. Thank you for being here. Mm, I have the biggest smile on my face and I just like Same. can't wait to squeeze you. <laughs> and I'm, I'm so grateful for oh my God. like you've, you have been a big sister and a friend and a mentor and, and you feel like true family to me. Same. And I just, it's to, to be on your podcast, thinking back to the version of myself that was like, oh my God, Elena Brower is going to be on my podcast, which I still feel, by the way, exactly like that. But to be on your podcast is like, wow, I am so grateful to be in relationship with you because this conversation feels so um, Elena and Shannon to me. Yes, it is. This is how we are all the time, actually. <laughs> A little bit of cursing and mostly... A lot of spirit. Mm. Amen. Ashe. I love you, Shannon. Ashe. Thank you so much for being here and more soon. I love, I love you. you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you, AG1, for sponsoring the Practice You podcast. My listener, you've been hearing me talk about AG1 for some time. I think I've been taking it daily for almost three years. 
75 high-quality vitamins, minerals, whole food sourced superfoods, probiotics, and adaptogens in one scoop in the morning. The best way to start your day supports your gut health, your nervous system, your immune system, your energy, recovery, focus, and longevity, the conversation of the moment. The taste is delicious. It's suitable whether you eat keto, paleo, vegan, dairy-free, or gluten-free. It contains less than one gram of sugar. No nonsense in here at all. It's a multivitamin that your body will actually absorb. If you are wanting to make an investment in your health and longevity, AG1 costs you less than $3 a day, far less expensive, and definitely less time-consuming than many different supplements. Reclaim your health, arm your immune system with convenient, delicious daily nutrition. And since you listen to the Practice You podcast, Athletic Greens is giving you a free one-year supply of immune-boosting vitamin D and five free travel packs with your first purchase. All you have to do is go to athleticgreens.com forward slash Elena. Once again, that's athleticgreens dot com forward slash e-l-e-n-a take ownership of your health my listener and thank you athletic greens and ag1